Welcome to Moments with Marianne. I'm so delighted we're spending this time here today. We have just a phenomenal show coming right up with special guest Jeff Allen, and he's here today to share with us his new upcoming comedy tour. Now, Jeff, most of you have seen him on TV. He combines clean, hilarious humor like no other comedian working today. Besides performing at corporate functions and fundraisers, he appears on TV, radio, and at casinos across the country. He's consistently making heroes out of meeting planners as he wows the crowd. So let's welcome to the show, Jeff Allen. Nice to be here. Oh my goodness, it's such a pleasure to have you here. You are so inspirational. You talk about all the stuff that people... You know, it just happens to us on a daily basis, stuff that we, you know, can't even make up ourselves. And it's, you're so funny, and that's why people just love you. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but I, um, uh, it's cheaper than therapy. Someone said to me once, what, what did you do before you got married and had kids? I go, well, I starved as a comic, that's for sure. I had nothing to talk about. So, um, <laughs> They provide a lot of inspiration for you, it sounds like. Well, like fodder, yeah. It was funny when my kids were growing up. They used to argue about who I was talking about. I didn't, I didn't name names. I just uh, talked about incidents. And um, my favorite one was the camp one. That, that they both had gone to camp, but uh, only one of them. Uh, I remember my wife. He was, you know, twelve, I guess. Anyway, she said, you know, you're leaving for camp tomorrow, so I want you to pack. So um, she says, I'll pack you. And he goes, No, I'll pack myself. And after an argument, you know, he, I, I said, let him pack. So anyway, he went in, and literally a minute and a half later, for a week. He packed for a week in about a minute and a half. And left and ran outside. So my wife walked in there, looked. He had really, like, one pair of shorts, pair of underwear, socks, and the rest was video games and whatever. So <laughs> she took everything out, packed seven pairs of underwear, six pairs of shorts, all this, you know, what, what she would pack for a week, toiletries, all this stuff, right, uh, that, he neglected. And, uh, of course he never checked. I'm sure, you know, he goes and we pick him up a week later and he had six clean pair of underwear, six clean pairs of shorts. <laughs> Toiletries were never even open. And, uh, he's waddling like he'd been on a horse for 2000 miles into my car. I go, okay, rash boy, I said, get on the roof. You're not getting in my car. And you didn't take a bath the entire life. Are you kidding me? And he says, well, we swam. And I go, that's not a bath. You know, and I said, that should frighten every parent in America. The 25 camp kids all swimming in the same. There's not enough corn in the world to kill all this stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, we took, you know, anyway, uh, he would he would argue about that with his brother. Who was the one? Who was it? He goes, I didn't do that. I go, of course you did that. You know, I mean, my gosh, you can't make that up. I mean, who? You know, seven days, we raised you better than this. And I remember when he first got a girlfriend, and uh, all of a sudden he started changing his clothes and brushing his teeth. And I wanted to go over and give her $100 to thank her, uh, <laughs> getting him to bathe. That was the coolest thing. <laughs> well, you're married. You know, how long have you been married? 32 years uh, as of July uh, 2018, so... Yeah, my wife will tell you that's 214, 24, and I married a comedian years. So, uh, <laughs> she probably keeps you a on... A lot more stressful. She probably keeps you on your toes. Yeah, I married a strong one. I really did. I needed that. I needed someone to, you know, 
uh, my relationships prior to meeting her were, uh, well, they weren't relationships. They were hookups, basically. I would go to a club and meet somebody in six, you know, we'd stay together for six days and then I wouldn't call them until I went back into town. And and then when I met Tammy, kind of the same way, she was a waitress at a club. Um, it was very funny. Um, I just heard this laugh in the back of the room that I, that attracted me. She was a smoker at the time, and I don't care what anybody says. Smokers are the best laughers. When you, when you can't get oxygen into your lungs, that's music to a comic's ears. So I heard her gagging in the back of the room. You know, so in my mind, I said, well, I'm going to have to meet this one. So anyway, I got off, and she was just beautiful. And uh, I remember she was living in Ohio. I went back to L.A. And uh tried to get her out of my mind, and I couldn't. So anyway, I called her up, and we started a relationship. And uh, we were married by the following July, so November to July. She had a two-year-old when I met her, single mom. A lot of respect for her. She was working two jobs, and yeah. and uh, anyway, um, she uh, had just gotten out of a bad relationship, so she wasn't about to put up with any garbage from another guy. So anyway, <laughs> when I started giving her garbage, she just pushed back, and that's what I needed. You know, I I just told a fourteen-year-old the other night I was working, and he was sitting in the front, and I said, "Listen to me, man. Listen to me." I said, uh, "You are going to be some woman's project in the future, so just." Listen to your parents now so you don't have so many things to change. <laughs> you know? yeah. Make it a little bit easier on everybody later. Well, like right? I always said, yeah, like I said, man, the Grand Canyon at one point was a crack in the earth. And look at how majestic it is today through attrition and erosion. So that's mm-hmm. that's what uh, God gave me, this beautiful woman, to just uh, wear away all those things that, uh, that are not attractive. And uh, she's done a pretty good job. Well, it sounds like Tammy is just an angel, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what that's the word I would use to describe her publicly, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> an angel. Well, and then you've got two boys too. You you know, been raising two boys. I mean, so how was that like, you know, being on the road, being a comedian and then raising kids at the same time? I didn't realize it at the time. Uh you know, that's one of the things, the sources of a lot of guilt. And, um, you know, I'm, I can't change that, so I'm not going to you know, lay in the fetal position. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I remember talking to, I, I've been in and out of 12 step groups my whole basically married life and um, did a lot of soul searching and, you know, therapy and all that. And one of my therapists, I was talking about how you know, guilty I was about, you know, leaving the boys. And, and she said, they don't know any different. I go, what do you mean? They go, well, you're the only father they've had, right? And I go, yeah. And they go, well, to them, this is normal, you know. And uh, if they had had somebody in their life for years that went to work at 8 in the morning, came home at 5 and spent the evening with them, then you showing up in their life might cause some disruption. But, um, you know. And that's it. And I realized that it was about the time that I was home. If, if if I took time and spent time with them, and that's why I tell every parent I ever meet, the only finite commodity you have with your children is time. You know, money comes and goes, and and can grow, and it can shrink, and all of that. You can't, you know, I mean, but um, time is a is a thing that children hold dearly. When you, it makes them feel worthy, certainly. And um, early on, I didn't know, I didn't know how to spend time with my kids. That was a learned behavior. 
because um, I didn't have really a model for that. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's funny because my kids, we have four grandchildren now, and we are completely different people <laughs> with our grandkids. <laughs> and my kids look at us like we're strangers, you know. And, um, and again, it's when you have to be disciplinary and, and um, you know, um, you know, it's, that's, you know, my son said to me one day, he goes, I don't understand what's the difference. I said, well, how old is your daughter? She was five. She's five. I said, well, for five years, I haven't worried one minute about that little girl. Not once if I worried about her. I said, uh, you're 35 years old. I still worry about you. You know, um, first question I ask him when he walks in, how's the job? He says, well, why do you always ask that? I go, because I know where you're moving if you lose that job. So I worry about your employment. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I remember, yeah, my old, my youngest son came in one day and he was having an issue with his boss, which we all have had issues with authority in our life, you know. So anyway, he goes, well, I'm going to tell her. And I go, you're not going to tell her anything, you know, unless you got another job in, in waiting. And I said, uh, you know, she's just being her, you know, her job, you know, deal with it. Um, accept her for who she is. And, uh, and if it's abusive, then that's a different issue. you got HR, but... Um, it's not. You're just. She's an annoying personality, so that's part of life. Get over it. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. The problem with dealing with other human beings. You can you know go live in your basement. I guess I don't know. <laughs> well, and you know, you, you must really love having the grandkids over and being able oh, to spend time God. with them. I mean, isn't that the greatest? I mean, I, I I say that to parents that they are your reward. That grandchildren are your reward for allowing your 16 year old to live you know if you can get past that you know that that natural urge and let that ingrate live it'll bring you a bundle of joy and i tell you we took the two girls um to the grinch movie um uh recently and um uh just it was the first uh movie for the four-year-old of, of feature-length film and it was 3d and uh, it's some initial problems, but once she settled in, and uh, just a joy, just an absolute joy. Simple thing like that, taking her to the movie. Mm-hmm. Let Didn't appreciate it with my kids. I used to take my kids all the time to the movie. That was the one thing my boys and I did together. Tammy didn't necessarily like the same movies we liked, but that uh, up until they moved out, we would go at least uh, two times a month to the movies. Um, and even now, uh, my oldest or youngest will call every now and then and go, hey, man, it's a great movie. You know, my wife doesn't want to see it when you say, you know, and uh, it's a good way to spend time together, I guess. Well, and are your boys, you know, how old are they? Are they millennials? Uh, it's Yeah, they're, they're, they're well, Gen X, millennial. They're right on the cusp. And um, I, I told my wife the other day, I said, I'm really, because they work with millennials. I said, I'm beginning to think that the millennials are winning the battle. Um, a lot more passive aggressive. They don't, under, you know, time is a relative thing. You know, we're having dinner at six o'clock. Make sure you get here, you know, five thirty or so. And uh, seven o'clock, they come wandering through. You know, can't understand. You know, dinner's cold. You know, <laughs> why we might be a tad upset. I had that issue with my oldest son with his first job. Um, he was working at a grocery store, and I went to pick him up. Um, he calls, you know, I need a ride. And I said, okay. I said, be out front. I'll be there in 10 minutes. And uh, I had to go into the store and get him. 
And uh, when he got in the car, I said, that'll be the last time I leave the car. So if you call me for a ride, I said, I want you to understand something, that other people's time should be respected. Uh, you know, I don't. I shouldn't have to get out of the car if you ask me for a ride. That's just out of respect for me as a person. Mm-hmm. So anyway, sure enough, two nights later, he needs a ride. I go walk driving up. I waited literally 15 seconds and took off. And uh, he calls me at home. Which, why, why, why'd you leave? I said, I thought we had that discussion. You know. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, I tried to teach him that time is, is important, you know, and commitments and all of that. And I thought that guy, especially coming out of the military, he understood that, you know. And then now it's been rubbed off because of all these, I guess, work. I, I blame millennials for it. Um, and if you're a millennial listening to this, uh, Suck it up. Millennials, <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> I love them. I absolutely do. I think they're going to. Yeah, they have to. They have to. They're going to change the world. They have to. The largest uh, generation, baby boomers, were, and now the millennials have passed them. So, um, uh, yeah, it has to be kind of thinking. You know, when we talk about like your kids and and just the life experiences that you've had with them, and we get a good idea of their age range and kind of you know you got grandkids now, what have you. What is kind of one of the most interesting stories that you share about your boys? Oh, um, well, I always I seem to focus on their teen years because that seems to be where my audience. Um, is, and that's usually where the most angst occurs in parenting because they develop their own mind, I guess. Well, they, they, some think two-year-olds. <laughs> but, um, so uh, I remember a particular um, driver's ed. This is, this is one that's changed, actually. I didn't know they charged for driver's ed till my children were up for driver's ed. And I remember having the conversation with, Tammy, I said, I'm not paying for driver's ed. When I was a kid, driver's ed was part of the school thing. So anyway, I'll teach I'll teach Ryan to drive a car. So I took him out for an hour. I came home and wrote a check out for $500. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I had a twitch when I got back. I said, Sammy goes, what's wrong? I said, those people at school are grossly underpaid. Trust me. Why would anyone take their lives in their hands with somebody else's children is beyond me. So then uh, Tammy says, are you taking them out tomorrow? I go, not unless I can get a morphine drip over the counter at Walgreens. I said, I am, uh, I am, I'm over it, man. I kept hitting that imaginary break and, you know, and the attention span is a, a gnat. You know, I said, don't look at me. Look at the road. I go, oh, my God, tell me you saw that truck. You saw the truck, right? Oh, man, that was lucky, Dad. That was lucky. I, oh, my goodness. Oh, my gosh. So anyway, I spent a couple of, about six months lobbying for an 18-year-old driving age in the state of Tennessee. It gave me something to do. Uh, I just, uh, I was very lucky. My oldest did not even want to drive a car until he was almost 18. And that, that, uh, that to me, I don't know about you, but I was at the DMV 1201 midnight on my 16th birthday. I couldn't wait to get a driver's license. And my oldest boy just wasn't, didn't care. And then he got a girlfriend and they really were, an item and uh chief was going to break up with him he comes to me and he says you believe she's going to break up with me because i don't have a driver's license or a car i go yeah actually i do believe that you know? <laughs> <laughs> I go, 
concerned. She's 17 years old. She's a beautiful young woman, girl. You think you're the only one chasing after her? I mean, for God's sakes, you know, mm-hmm. sitting at her house day in and day out. She lives at her house, you know. And, you know, you come over here for one day a week, I guess. I don't know. So anyway, he went out and got a driver's license. Again, men need women. That's all I'm saying. They need them. <laughs> Otherwise, we just down. grunt and smell. We grunt and smell. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? And it's it's interesting when people look back on their children, just some of the things that they've done growing up. I mean, I mean, it is like, and this is, I think you've got great material because I mean, most people can't make this stuff up. You know, the stuff that happens. And I know you. No, I'm not that about, clever. You know. <laughs> well, I actually like the. And there's a. Um, I've seen you talk about the cat and the milk, and I think that that's oh. a classic. <laughs> yeah, that was one that I you know, learned that everybody has logic and reason. It's it may be skewed, but I, when my two year old he uh, he poured milk all over the cat, so the first thing I learned to do is ask him why, um, you know, <laughs> rather than just scolding him, you know. Um, I just figured, well, there had to be a reason. So why would you pour milk on the cat? And he says, well, Kitty was hot and thirsty. I go, okay, why not the bowl? And he said, well, he likes to lick himself. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that made perfect I, I, I said, that, that makes perfect sense. And um, I tried to explain to him that there was a better way for the cat to get this milk, and that would be a bowl. But um, I understood, you know. Hey, do you know, that's and, great uh, reasoning. I love that. I did. I, I, I thought that really was. I could see... You know, um, I, I, you know, again, uh, my son got called in. Um, my oldest was in high school, and they were on a field trip, and he picked a hole in the seat of the bus the size of a silver dollar. It was a huge hole. And the interesting thing was uh, when the bus driver discovered it, they put all the kids back on the bus to find out who did it. Mm-hmm. And the principal said, "We're not leaving this bus till whoever did that." So my son raised his hand immediately, and the principal called us in. He goes, "I only called you in because I want to tell you I don't know what you did to your son, but uh, that's the first time in all my years as principal that we didn't have at least an hour on the bus <laughs> to have somebody confess that quick." I I just wanted to tell you that was I was I was digging in for a long time, man, and then. It shocked me to have some kid raise his hand, you know. <laughs> so I said, well, what's the, he goes, well, it does a repair for it. And it was, you know, cash. And I said, okay. And uh, I asked my son why he did that. He goes, you know, I don't know. He said it was just, it started out, it was a small thing. And I actually understood that, why you would just kind of keep picking at this fuzzy stuff. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so I think, how do you get angry at it? I guess, you know, you just. Okay, and you're going to pay for it. Um, you know, you can't be going around picking holes in other people's furniture. But um, you know, he worked it off in the yard or something. I don't know. But, yeah, having that lesson kind of come full circle. <laughs> yeah, but I, again, I understood it. I really did. I, you know, I, I got ADD, whatever. I don't know. I got all kinds of things. I, I could see me sitting in that chair on that long bus trip to this field trip and just, you know, yeah. You know, it's fuzzy, picket, fuzzy, picket, 
you know, and over time, next thing you know, you got a big hole in the seat. <laughs> <laughs> like, my goodness, I know, I mean, we haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg in regards to all the topics you talk about. You know, I'm glad that we were able to share about the milk on the cat, because that's actually, I think, one of my favorites. I love that. <laughs> I know you've got this comedy tour that's happening, and on um, January 12th, you're going to be in Gilbert, Arizona, right? Yeah, at the um, it's a comedy night at the, at a church, um, which some people listening might think, well, how does that happen? But um, I've I went from 20 years in nightclubs just exclusively to um, I remember when 9/11 happened. I was in Las Vegas working a club, and I couldn't get home. My wife, you know, like, the whole country was just in a different state of mind. And it's seven days in Vegas, and I came home and told my my Jewish manager, I said, I, I really need to find another place to work um, other than places that require me to be there for five to seven days. And uh, I said, I think I'd like to do churches. You know, it certainly aligned with my faith. And so anyway, he's Jewish and I'm new to the church. So we were blind leading the blind. And when you put out on your resume 20 years at nightclubs and uh, casinos, pastors are a little hesitant to um, <laughs> to give you the pulpit for an hour, you know. So uh, it was a building process. So what I realized, because I'm a storyteller, um, is that church audiences are really perfect for me uh, because they're used to listening to someone talk for 45 minutes <laughs> without interrupting. <laughs> so it works great. I love working the church, and um, I love sharing the gospel when asked. And um uh, it's uh, it's a good fit. So yeah, January twelfth in uh, Gilbert is um, is my next church. I think. No, actually, yeah, yeah, it is my next church. Actually, I'm doing some private stuff for ministries between now and then. Well, that's so exciting because I know there's always been, you know, probably within like the last twenty years, there's been a little bit of a, like a pushback in regards to some comedy because people think, gosh, you know. That was pretty over the top as far as maybe language or content or what have you. But you talk about things that are truly funny that happen every day. Yeah, that's all. I mean, again, it's Shakespeare said to thine own self be true. So um, I tried all that other stuff uh, back in the 90s. I tried social commentary and uh, it didn't work for me. I tried being a little bluer. didn't work for me. And then... Um, my kid got called into school one day. We got called in because of the language that he used. He was in fourth grade. And the teacher told us what he said. And I said, uh, boy, I'd love to look you in the eye and tell you I have no idea where you heard that kind of language. But, <laughs> we, you know, I use it at home and I use it in my, my show, my act. And I realized that I didn't like that coming out of the mouths of my 10-year-old or 9-year-old. So... It'd be keeping it a hypocritical of me to, you know, tell him that that's wrong, you can't say it, and then have me saying it. So I started paying him 25 cents for every foul word that came out of my mouth, and I realized that there were a lot of them. So anyway, I cleaned that up, and then I realized that um, my comedy was getting better because I had a thesaurus, and I was able to use this beautiful language that we were given and um, to paint pictures and use metaphors. And it, it became really fun to do. I actually bought an SAT workbook for vocabulary 
because I realized that I had really a limited vocabulary. Um, when you when you can swear, you know, it kind of it cuts down the need for other words. So, um, and it, it was just a process of, um, and and it, and it worked for me. And uh, this comedy tour, make comedy great again, uh, is right up my alley. It's non-political, and it's uh, non. The language is um, is not no profanity, um, and uh, I've had I don't know how many thousand Facebook followers for years. Not one of them, in all these years, has ever asked me my opinion on anything. You know, so my wife said I should take that as a hint that nobody really cares what I have to say about the uh, geopolitical state of affairs. Well, you may be getting a lot of emails now that you just said that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I, I don't care. You know, it's just funny. I mean, if, you know, everybody, I don't know. It's just everything has become, everything has become a political issue, you know, and it's just so contentious. You know, I just read a really great tweet from somebody that said, uh, if you use the phrase 50% of the people make in this country make less than the median, household income that sounds really disparaging but that's what determines the median price of income <laughs> it's the 50 percent mark <laughs> so i guess it's all how you phrase things it, it, it really is about perception and words and how we use things so yeah not the truth well jeff where can our listeners connect with you be part of your community and learn about your comedy tour JeffAllenComedy.com. Everything is on there. And it's JeffAllenComedy.com. I believe JeffAllen.com might be a porn portal. I'm not sure. Oh. But somebody told me that they went to my website and it was a porn site. And I go, well, that, that isn't right. And, and anyway, we, we figured it out that they were typing in JeffAllen.com and JeffAllenComedy. And that was years ago, so I don't know what's happened. But I tried to buy JeffAllen.com, and uh, they wanted way too much, way out of my budget for it. So I don't know. But uh, JeffAllenComedy.com, and then all the Twitter, and J, J, J. Allen Comedy, Jeff Allen Comedy is Instagram, I think. And uh, Twitter is Jeff Allen Comedy. And, uh, we'll have all the links below and the correct website, JeffAllenComedy.com, yes. so people can co- click on that and and make comedy you. great again tour.com will be the uh, 2019 dates um, I think we're in Great Falls New York February 1st and um, uh, somewhere up in New York uh, after that the second first and second we're in New York mm-hmm. lots of great things happening well Jeff you know thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us here today well thanks for having me um, I can't do it, you know, without without you guys. So thanks for helping me get the word out. Well, we're all looking forward to hearing about your upcoming book and cannot wait to have you on the show again to talk about that. Again, if you'd like to connect with Jeff and learn more about his comedy tour, please visit JeffAllenComedy.com. We'll have the link below. And make sure to be part of his community. He is just a hilarious guy. Well, we're at the end of our time today. I would like to thank everyone for tuning in. You're listening to Moments with Marianne. And remember, make every moment count.
In a single moment, your life can change. Moments with Marianne is a transformative hour that covers an endless array of topics with the best of the best. Her guests are leaders in their fields, ranging from inspirational authors, top industry leaders, and business and spiritual entrepreneurs. Each guest is gifted and a true visionary, a recognized leader in her own work. And while teaching others to develop, refocus, and grow, Marianne will bring the best guest and sometimes a special surprise. Don't miss this. You never know just which moment will change your life forever. Moments with Marianne airs every Thursday, Friday, and Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Make sure to tune in and visit momentswithmarianne.com for more information.